Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, it was simple math for Stanford on Saturday. KJ plus QB equals W over U of A. Well, obviously it was a little more than that, but still, clearly, the Cardinal juiced up by the return of QB1. Stanford got a big win over the Arizona Wildcats on a glorious Saturday afternoon. It's the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, Sunday, October 27th, 2019. Hope it's a good one for you so far, and uh, glad that you're taking this along with you. I'm indeed Troy Clarity, host of the show, fourth year of TreeCast, 27th year of following Stanford football, and uh, really having fun. That was that was cool yesterday. It was it was pretty cool. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you did if you're a Stanford fan, as the Cardinal got the 41-31 win over the Arizona Wildcats. You're going to hear from Stanford quarterback K.J. Costello. You're also going to hear from Stanford defensive lineman Thomas Booker, as well as the many thoughts of David Shaw sprinkled throughout the course of the show. A lot to get to on the program. Uh, before we do, of course, a couple quick reminders. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. Follow me at Troy Clarity. The last name is C L A R D Y at Troy Clarity, and uh, you can subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And and by the way, you know, being out and about and hanging around the tailgates and things like that before the game yesterday. Uh, if this was your reunion year, hope you had fun. Hope you enjoyed it. But uh, bumping into people and uh, really appreciate uh, those of you who have uh, said that uh, that you like the show. And you legitimately seem to mean it, too. <laughs> it seemed genuine. So uh, uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, I appreciate it. If you like the show, tell a friend. Tell a fellow Cardinal fan. And uh, I would certainly appreciate that as well. Well, what a game. Uh, back and forth affair between Stanford and Arizona throughout. Uh, Stanford scoring 24 points in the second quarter. Uh, on route to a halftime lead, Stanford at 31 points at the half. The, their, their, their season high in uh, first half points so far this year. Khalil Tate, the Arizona quarterback, uh, blowing up just a dynamic 57-yard touchdown run to put the Cats back in it after Stanford had taken a 21-10 lead. Uh, and that was flashing back to Stanford versus Arizona in 2012, you might remember that one. That game went back and forth. That was Josh Newton's shining moment, I believe, versus Matt Scott. As that game went back and forth and back and forth before Stanford finally won that one in overtime 54-48. to So I was, I was having some flashbacks about that game, especially when it was tied at 31 midway through the third quarter. But then from there, things started to change for good. K.J. Costello finding Simi Fajoko from 14 yards out. That put the Cardinal ahead to stay with 5-11 to go in the third quarter, and the defense held on from there. Three things you need to know about Stanford football on the heels of that game. Let's get to them, starting with number one. K.J. Costello is back, and not a moment too soon. David Shaw 
Very happy to have KJ back under center, back taking the snaps for the Cardinal. And after the game, Shaw took us through the process of getting KJ back to being QB1. The biggest issue for us was just pregame warm-up. If he can make it through pregame warm-up, he's going to play. If he couldn't, then he wouldn't. But we got over that hump this week in practice. Uh, last week, he tried to go, and he threw the ball extremely well on Monday night last week. And the next day, he just couldn't, he couldn't throw it. We just couldn't do it. And this past week, we tried to get past Monday. We got past Monday. We crossed our fingers for Tuesday. Got past Tuesday. Crossed our fingers for Wednesday. So it was kind of just one of those weeks. But every time he went out there, make no mistake about it, he's in pain. It's not easy. He's not 100%. But he could go out there and throw it. And he and I had a long conversation yesterday. And he said, Coach, I'm going to give it a shot. If I can get through pregame warm up and grip the ball and throw it, I'm going to play. Um, so we, we gave him that opportunity and he went out there and played uh, one of his better games of his career. Um, uh, really, really proud of him. Yeah, that pesky thumb injury costing KJ Costello a few weeks. And I was, I was checking KJ out during pregame warm-ups and, and his first few throws, he bounced a couple. And I was like, oh boy, uh-oh, this, this doesn't... This doesn't look exactly as, as crisp as, as I would prefer it to be. And he actually started fairly slowly in the game as well. Three of his first eight passes uh, completed for 51 yards. But after that, he didn't just catch a rhythm. He caught fire. 16 of his next 17 after that slow start for 162 yards and two touchdowns. KJ finished 30 of 43 for 312, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Not bad, eh? Welcome back, KJ. Welcome back. Let's move on to number two. On the opposite side of the ball for Stanford, look, the, the defensive numbers that the Cardinal put up, they won't wow you. Arizona rushed for 222 yards as a team. Both their terrific running back, J.J. Taylor, and their dynamic quarterback, Khalil Tate, went over 100 yards on the ground. Tate and Grant Gunnell. I kind of like Grant Gunnell. He had, a, he had a nice little live arm there. But both of those guys combined to complete 17 of their first 20 passes. And Arizona overall throughout the entire game actually outgained Stanford 495 to 472. So not necessarily impressive numbers for Stanford defensively, but when it mattered most, the tree fence did its best work. After Stanford took a 38-31 lead with five minutes to go in the third quarter, it held up. David Shaw on how the tree fence was able to make that happen. What you saw in the second half was a lot of effort. He saw great effort. Um, Malik recognizing the quarterback and turning and flipping his hips and going as fast as he can and tipping that ball away. Um, Jonathan McGill, same thing. Um, the play that we got beaten on earlier, a quick slant in the slot, him jumping inside and knocking that ball away. Uh, Paulson and Debo knowing that they're going to take some more shots on him, staying in position and making two great plays. I saw that first interception coming all the way because he's gotten us on, on the offense doing that where you run an out route, and that ball's not thrown perfectly and not thrown extremely long time, but it's a split second late. His three-step acceleration and the ball's in the air is as good as anybody in America. So him taking that first one and then staying on top of the second one, and uh, we just believe he gets an opportunity to go for the ball, he's gonna go get it. So um, combination of just some subtle adjustments, but then guys making a decision to go out there and play really hard and not let the quarterbacks believe uh, the scramble hurt us. That's David Shaw. And after Stanford took that 38-31 lead, Arizona went three and out, punt, interception, downs, and interception. And they actually may have provided the biggest play of the game. More on that a bit later on in the show. But, you know, 
football football is not played in box scores. I know fantasy football and it's not it's a big reason why I don't like fantasy football because I think it's it's really ruined how people should follow the game and emphasize, you know, what's truly important. And again, if you look at the stat sheet, you're going to not come away with the Stanford defense very impressed with what you saw. But if you actually watched the game and actually watched what it did over the final 20 minutes of that game, you know, you know. Let's get to number three. Freshman Ryan Sanborn continues to impress the uh, punter now handling place kicks and kickoffs because of the injury to Jet Toner that he suffered early in the game against UCLA a week and a half ago. And once again, Sanborn handling all three of those duties, doing it quite well against the Arizona Wildcats. David Shaw certainly noticed. Jet went down last game. And Ryan said, okay, Ryan, you got to go. you got to handle the kickoffs and the PAT field goals. He says, okay. Then go out there and kick the ball. He's got a strong leg. He's extremely talented. He's got the ability. He's one of those rare guys that has the ability to do all three and do them all at a high level. Right? You see those kickoffs going out of the back of the end zone. You see the punts with great hang time and great location. Um, all the field goals went through the uprights is all we care about. Um, so he's got the ability to do that. We don't want him to do that at all times. Um, but it looks like the rest of the year he may have to handle that. And, and he's ready for it. Um, he's been in really good condition. Um, we're watching his... His, uh, his pitch count, so to speak, make sure he doesn't kick the ball too much um, during the week. So Coach, Coach Alomar's done a great job of really monitoring him, make sure we don't overkick him, so that when it comes crunch time, if he has to make a kick late in the game, kick off, pop or field goal, that he's still in condition to do that. So working a lot of technical thing without overdoing it during the week, so he's ready to go on game day. And, and don't forget, Jet Toner isn't the only kicker that Stanford has lost for the year. Colin Riccatelli, he's on the shelf as well. I actually had to be reminded of this during the game yesterday as well. So he's not an option for Stanford this year. And right now, it all falls on Ryan Sanborn. They, they, do, have, they do have contingency plans. Diego Preciado, uh, a backup wide receiver who actually just joined the team, I believe, a few years ago. Uh, looks like he is the backup kicker at this point. But... Don't forget, you know, Jet Toner is, is is one of two Stanford kickers who are on the shelf. So it all falls to Ryan Sanborn, who, who as of right now, he's performed masterfully. Touchbacks more often than not, has handled uh, place kicking very well, and his punting hasn't dropped off either. Good to see. Good to see. Those are three things. And we talked about K.J. Costello's day statistically. We gave you some of his numbers, especially the streak. Uh, bridging the first and second quarters in which he went 16 to 17 for a buck 62 and two touchdowns. Don't forget, uh, against Northwestern, he had a stretch where he completed 11 in a row against the Wildcats. What is it against Wildcats that uh, <laughs> that uh, that KJ does well? Northwestern and Arizona. But it was so good to see him back. So good, and no one was happier that Costello was taking the snaps. And number three himself. After the game, KJ met with those of us in the media. Let's eavesdrop. And KJ, of course, very pleased to be back and running the show for the Stanford offense. KJ Costello and his postgame media availability. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's been an eternity, man. For three, four weeks, standing on the sideline, you know, guys going down left and right. So, you know, being one of those guys as well, it just doesn't feel good. It feels awful. You know, 
um, especially when you know you you play this game because you want to do anything for your boys, and you feel like you can only be a voice on the sideline. That's that's just that's not what I signed up to do. Um, so being able to go out there and play, I mean, smile at my brothers, you know, offense, defense, special teams. I mean, that's that's why I came here to do to do that exactly. Were you able to distribute the ball like you did, 11 different receivers? What can that do for the offensive execution? Hey, we see, we saw it a little bit at spring ball with all the seven on seven we ran. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, when I was playing, when, when we, our offense was playing our best football in the past two years, it was taking what the defense gives us. And it sounds super cliche and it's very, very complex, to be honest, in terms of what coverages the defense is going to run and, and what answers they're giving me. Um, but when you have four guys, including a tight end and a running back, that are all dangerous with the ball in their hands or can all make a guy miss, I mean, that makes my job a whole lot easier. And we've known that for quite some time now. Um, but being able to run the ball helps big time. And then also being able to dink and dunk, go over the top, and kind of have a full complexion uh, of an offense is, is what we want to do. We saw a little bit of that in the first half, and I think there's definitely more in the second, but at the end of the day, the job's to, to win. So that's what we did. Oh, I mean, I could tell you one thing. I feel a whole lot different playing than not playing. Um, you know, I mean, it's for me, it's a, it's like, Everything, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm out there, haven't played in four weeks. I mean, I'll challenge myself to play that way in terms of not performance, in terms of energy for the rest of my career. You know, I think I did that early on when I got here. I think I've done that most of the way. I think there's a couple of times when, you know, you feel you, you don't want to be pressing, you know, um, but I think that's that's the expectation. That's the standard and uh, try and bring that every week. Hey, I mean, I haven't hit an inside go to Simi all year. Felt amazing. You know, fade to Sim in the boundary down there in the end zone. You know, up the seam to Simi. I mean, I hit it in practice. Didn't feel the best in practice, but, like, I was playing, you know, things I was planning on doing all week, you know, whether I was playing or not, I was preparing to do so. And to see that come into fruition is exactly why you prepare and play. Um, and so I think that... Um, it's a good feeling. I think Sammy, I think the game slowed down for him today. I mean, we've all known what he can do. You know, he's done it in practice. I think officially the game slowed down for Sammy, and now that's the bar. And we got to keep going, keep climbing. The ball to Bryson Tremaine, I thought that was headed through the uprights when you let it go. Take us through that play as you remember it. I mean, you know, not to give away my tells, but playing off the width of safety there. And, uh, you know, I threw that ball five times to Caden, you know. My boy, and then I threw it many times in high school. Haven't thrown it to this bunch of guys yet. Um, and Bryson's perfectly built for that. You know, running on a linebacker back to the end zone, he makes plays like that all the time. Um, I told him he's a guy, you know, and uh, I want to see a lot more of that out of him uh, going going for the remainder of the season. That's KJ Costello, and I was talking with with someone uh, after the press conferences were done, and I, I, I like Davis Mills. I really do. I, he's certainly shown me a lot. Uh, throughout the course of, of his tenure as the Sanford starting quarterback earlier this year. Don't know if, what, what his availability is going to be going forward, by the way. That's, that's kind of that's tough to see. But there's an undeniable kind of it factor. 
And you know, if you watch Stanford football over the last couple of years, you know what that it factor is. You can't really see it, but it's there. It's not necessarily too obvious, but it's there. You can tell. K.J. Costello bringing Moxie back to the Stanford offense. Good to see. Good to see. And it was an impressive day overall for the Stanford offense. 11 different receivers caught balls. 12 if you count K.J. Cameron Scarlett ran for 102 yards and two scores. Simi Fajoko, uh, three catches, rather, 97 yards and two scores. And a a healthy diet of of, of Austin Jones as well, as he's starting to get worked more and more into the offense, along with with, uh, Nathaniel Pete. Anytime you see number 20, number 32 on the field at the same time, look out. Look out, because the Cardinal have something up their sleeves. Although there was one time where both Pete and Jones were on the field, and it was just a straight handoff up the middle to Jones. Just And I like that. I like that. Not every time when those two are on the field, something has to be up. It's, it can't just be a trick play every time those guys are on the field at the exact same time. So, so I like that. And it, it leads into how the offense performed as a whole. This offense... You know, not just diverse in its distribution, but but also in the concepts that we saw. Lots of misdirection, more quick and easy throws, screens, deep shots, plays that, that actually ended up setting up other plays and other concepts as the game went along. Things that we haven't seen at times from Stanford offensively, in execution, in concepts, in philosophy at critical points this year. So given the execution, given the play calling, and and, and given the outcome, I asked David Shaw after the game how close this performance came to what this offense should ideally look like every week. Very, very close. Very, very close. Uh, We had a couple of inefficient plays that set us back and we had to punt. We got to second and second long and third and long, which has kind of been our Achilles heel offensively this entire year. It only happened a couple times, but for the most part, this is what we want to look like. You know, hundred yard rusher, bruising rusher. Got our two young backs in there, and both guys made some big time plays. We'll continue to have those guys continue to grow. Um, a bunch of different guys catching balls uh, and making plays because I, I think from the very beginning, I've been excited about this core of receivers with our with our group of tight ends as well. Um, see me and Colby and Mike and Connor, Osiris, you know, all these guys can make plays and uh, we get the protection and we get the running game going. Um, and the quarterback plays at the level that he's capable of. Um, we can be tough to stop. Yeah, very close, very close. And I find it interesting. Uh, people make, I think, a lot of, uh, of the run pass balance and what it should be for this offense and how it should be as close to 50-50 as possible, if not maybe even a little run heavy. Uh, against the Wildcats, Stanford called 44 passing plays and 29 running plays. There is that. Now, not completely smooth, especially throughout the first, say, 20 minutes or so. Screen game execution still needs work. But once everything got on the same page, play calling, execution, concepts, once all those things got on the same page, it was pretty cool to watch. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And... Yeah, you know, Todd Huzak, the uh, color commentator for the Stanford Football Radio Network, who sits on my right during Stanford football games, and he watched as uh, his uh, fellow mates from the 1999 
Rose Bowl squad were honored after the first quarter. Todd wasn't able to make it down from the booth in time uh, to be a part of those festivities. But but Huzak joked on a couple of occasions, both on and off the mic, how much that game yesterday reminded him of 1999 and how Stanford football played that year. Dynamic offense and a cardiac but but timely defense. You know, their numbers weren't pretty either, but they came up with big plays when they needed to. And it brings me to the key play of this game early in the fourth quarter. And Arizona down 38-31. Wildcamp ball at the Stanford 22, third and 11. Grant Gannell was the start was was the quarterback for for Arizona. I'm shocked that Kevin Sumlin put him in on that drive in that situation. It almost worked, but I'm I'm shocked that that he didn't stick with Tate throughout the entirety of the second half. It's not like the Wildcats were were completely out of it. But in any case, Gannell was in, flushed out to the right, sacked, fumbled. Arizona recovered, but all the way back at the Stanford 46, a 24 yard loss. So instead of a possible field goal try to keep Arizona within a score, Wildcats had to punt. They never recovered from that play. The guy who sacked Grant Gannell was Thomas Booker. Big-time play, and boy, is he becoming a beast right before our very eyes over the last few weeks. Thomas Booker, the sophomore, got the sack, and he started his media availability by taking us through that very play. So uh, I was rushing B-gap to contain. Um, I rushed the guard, and I knew that the pressure was going to be coming from the right side. So as that happened, Mike Williams made a great play, uh, got really right up in his face, gave him no other option but to roll to my side. So I made it to contain. He rolled right out to me. And as I'm trying to sack him and reach out, he's trying to throw the ball away, puts the ball right where my hand is, and I knock it out. Um, and then Mike uh, the rest of the defense swarmed the ball at the end. And again, it's just a kind of perfect example of what happens when everybody's in, in sync and do the same thing. For sure, for sure. I mean, KJ is uh, is our leader. And he gets us juice and fired up. Um, so I love to see him kind of kind of talking the defense, all that other sort of stuff. You know, he comes back after scoring a touchdown. He says, "You guys, you guys got to get the ball back." You know, and I like to see that as a quarterback. You know, you put the ball in his hands. You expect him to execute. And when he's confident and fiery about it, it just it just kind of pervades the entire team. Same with defense. We're making explosive plays. The offense gets juice. You know, so it's kind of just feeding off of each other. Um, it's kind of a bit of a competition about who can make more explosive plays, you know, so it's, it's always a friendly competition, but at the end of the day, we're competing with our brothers and against our brothers uh, to make an outcome that we're going to be proud of. Just stating that you like don't underestimate this team. You guys have rolled out three out of four games. You know, what challenges do you guys put on yourselves? Um, I think for us, it's just weathering any kind of adversity um, that we have. You know, the season hasn't gone the way we planned it to. Obviously, we like to be in the win column more than we have been. Um, but with us, it's really a week-to-week focus. And that's what you start noticing at this part of the season. It's about going 1-0 on Saturday. Um, so for us, like, the challenge that we have is keeping our focus in the present when it could be drifting to other places, rankings, all that other sort of stuff. At the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Um, it's about what you put on tape on Saturday, and you are who you put on tape. Um, so honestly, like that's our focus every single week. It's not focusing about the outside noise or any of that, any of uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, just keeping focus on our assignments and executing. Thank you.
and how well deserved is this one buy for you guys? <laughs> I'd love to have the buy, honestly. Uh, some some well deserved rest for uh, a bunch of guys who worked hard, got some nicks and bruises um, along the way. So getting healthy, um, just getting some time off your feet a little bit, um, getting the tape is going to be huge for us uh, going into the rest of the season. One of the last three to four going into this bye. So again, first half of the season over with. Um, we have to focus on what's ahead of us, and I think this is a step in the right direction. So fear the tree, right? Fear the tree. <laughs> you know. Fear the tree, indeed. Thomas Booker came up big. Uh, he, in particular, and the Stanford defensive line, for the most part not just against the Wildcats, but also against the UCLA Bruins last week as well. They've done a great job in attacking the mesh point on, on, on gun runs, especially the speedy guys. They shut down Demetric Felton completely uh, for UCLA last week. And J.J. Taylor got loose. He, he tends to do that. But Arizona's other running backs, who tend to have a bit less punch, but are much quicker and much speedier out of the backfield, they didn't really have much because the Sanford defensive line did a, a fantastic job of collapsing on those guys like they did against Demetri Felton uh, against UCLA. Booker, huge in those efforts. Andrew Pritz, man, it would have been nice if that touchdown had counted. <laughs> the fumble forced by Ryan Beecher and then Pritz uh, beating Khalil Tate into the end zone. Would have been nice if that play had counted, but uh, the play uh, correctly ruled an incomplete pass as J.J. Taylor never really had possession of that ball. But Pritz led with eight tackles. Stewart Head had seven tackles. Thank goodness that targeting call on the first play of the game was taken off the board. That could have been disastrous. That could have been disastrous for the Stanford defense if Head had been lost for the game on the very first play on a targeting call. And Curtis Robinson continues to grow. Thank goodness he returned after spending some time down on the turf and being in, and being tended to uh, by trainers. Man, it was great to see him back. So the defense putting it together when it needed to most. And the offense rising up in a critical situation. And the coaches doing much better, it seemed, this week. And we've talked before on these tree casts over the years about how in the midst of, of chaos and hysteria, both positive and negative, David Shaw, the coaches, the players, and, and the program at large remains the same. You know, keep calm and cardinal on. <laughs> I called it a few years ago. You know, they they all they all get right back to work. No matter no matter what the what the outcome was the previous week, you know, the, the, that, that game after Northwestern in 2015 in which Stanford did absolutely nothing in the season opener and all the Cardinal fans were saying the sky was falling and I was at practice that very next week and I, there was no hint of any panic. There was no hint of, of, of any real, you know, oh my gosh, the season's already over. We're 0-1. No, it was just a quiet resolve about getting back to work. I remember talking with uh, Peter Columbine, I believe, about, uh, about, about that. And I think the same thing was at work here this week, coming off of, look, Stanford cratered against UCLA. There's no question about that. That's on the books. It's on the board forever, and Stanford's going to have to, you know, you know, find a way to, to find their way around that. But the same thing was largely at work this week. Cardinal just got back to work and tried to make the best of a tough situation and figure out how to win a ball game. 
Shaw had an interesting message, I thought, about the coach's mental state heading off of a tough loss against UCLA and heading into a tough task this week against Arizona. With all the stuff that's going on, we've won three out of four. People outside our building can panic. Um, fans can panic. Alumni can panic. That's fine. We don't. We trust what we do. It's been very, very successful here. Not going to worry about the injuries. Whoever's injured, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll coach up the next guys and go out there and play. Um, but we're sitting here going to the bye, winning throughout the last four games, and, and playing some good football. Not perfect. A lot of things we can grow and, on and, and learn, learn and do better. Um, but the bottom line is we, we like the guys we have. We like what we're doing. Um, we've, we've been able to be successful throughout the last four games. They don't panic. They don't panic. People outside the building do. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving to my moments of hysteria from time to time. But when they keep going and putting their head down, and getting to work, good things tend to happen. It's part of the reason why Stanford overall has been been the most consistent program in the Pac-12 this decade. Record might not necessarily reflect that this year, but still, overall, Cardinal have done fantastic things when their backs have been against the wall. And it's certainly not an easy stretch coming up. you got to go to Boulder and Pullman in November. That ain't easy. That's not easy. And, of course, Cal, who got 83 yards of total offense against Utah last night. Ew. Although I'm, unfortunately for them, not surprised. And, of course, Notre Dame. Boy, did they get thumped at Michigan last night, too. So a final four-game stretch. Thomas Booker hinted at this. Won't be easy. Won't be easy. But if Stanford can keep playing like it did against Arizona, with a dynamically aggressive offense and at the very least a timely defense, they're going to be tough to beat. Going to be tough to beat. Let's go stock up, stock down on the game as we hand out our unofficial game balls and, and focus on something that, that, that needs improvement down the, down the road going forward. Let's go stock up. No shortage of candidates here, but it all starts up front for Stanford and the offensive line put in work. Congratulations to those guys from left to right, Walter Rouse, Barrett Miller, Drew Dahlman, Jake Hornerbrook, and Foster Sorrell. Of course, Rouse, Miller, and Hornerbrook are all true freshmen. But those guys were superb. 44 dropbacks for K.J. Costello. Forced to scramble just once and zero sacks. I was pleased with how things went with the offensive line. You know David Shaw was happy. Drew Dahlman's the leader in there, and Drew's played really good football all year, really has, with different guys coming in and out. Drew's been our mainstay in there. Um, and I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Um, we're getting some of, our, some of our best football at right tackle as well, you know. Um, Foster Sorrell's playing his best football of his career. So two older guys, they're just juniors, but two older guys that are playing great football. And our young guys, God bless them, they just go hard. They make mistakes, they come back and go hard. Then they're never shy, they never back away. They take their coaching and try to get better. And for us to keep the quarterback clean for the most part um, and, and, and have some nice running lanes, there's some big running lanes today. Um, 
Uh, Tucker Fisk also played a great game as a, as a, as a point of attack run blocker. Um, so the combination of our tight ends and our, our offensive line had a really good game today. Yeah, after struggling mightily throughout uh, the UCLA game, Stanford offensive line really coming back in a big way against Arizona. What goes up must come down. Let's go stock down. And this one isn't going to go to a player because I couldn't think of any phase of the game or any individual player that that took a step back against Arizona. But I think something took a step back. I'll give the stock down. The turf, the playing surface at Stanford Stadium. A lot of slippage for both teams, really. I mean, Stanford had a couple of opportunities to get some big plays, but guys kept slipping and sliding and stumbling. Uh, Tucker Fisk uh, took a tight end screen, and he might have been able to score if he hadn't have stumbled and just been taken down at the line of scrimmage for no gain at all. So tough sledding from a footing standpoint for Stanford at points. But as mentioned, it works. It worked both ways as well. Don't forget Khalil Tate's first interception. Tate was rolling over to his left, and he actually slipped a bit while trying to plant his foot. Had to reset, threw his out pass anyway, and that little split second in which Tate was slipped and reset, that allowed Paulson Adebo to diagnose things and to make the jump on the route and to make the big interception in the fourth quarter. So it, it, it works by both ways. So I guess stock not totally down, but look, Stanford Stadium is supposed to have one of the most pristine playing surfaces in the country. Wasn't quite up to snuff, it seemed, against Arizona. By the way, this is, this is probably my way of just nitpicking and finding something to complain about. <laughs> but hey, you know what? That's what America 2019 is all about these days, isn't it? Finding something to complain about. Stock down on the turf. But a good day overall. Great day. Uh, uh, 12.30 kick, you know. Lots of alumni on campus. You know, I was walking out of the stadium, walking back to my car. It was still daylight. The sun was starting to set through the eucalyptus curtain. Temperatures were pleasant. It was just a good day. Just a good day. More good days ahead for Stanford football? We'll see. We'll see. They got a bye week, of course, this week. A full and entire week to rest up for the big stretch ahead at Colorado, at Washington State, and then Cal and Notre Dame at home to finish it all out. And things certainly look a little better now than they did this time last week, don't they? That's a good thing. That is a good thing as we flip the calendar and head to November. I always welcome your thoughts on Stanford football and on the show. Hit me up. Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go to make sure and to guarantee that I see your thoughts on Twitter. Also, give me the follow at Troy Clarity. At Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. And we... uh. We're here in the Bay Area, and obviously we're dealing with wildfires uh, all throughout, uh, especially in the North Bay. Had another one crop up in Vallejo uh, this morning. Uh, just be safe out there. Be safe and uh, make the right decisions, and good luck. And um, we'll see you next time on the TreeCast. Uh, also, don't drink and drive if you do get the dumbest person on the planet. It is the bye week, uh, so our posting schedule might be a little strange. We might come at you during the week. Hopefully with a special guest that we're working on. We might not. 
in any case, as long as you've subscribed to the show, you should be good. You don't have to worry about when we're posting shows and uh, when you need to be on top of things because once we post it, boom, it's right there for you. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. That's the way to go. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again for being with us on the TreeCast with Troy Clare. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.